If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Film Drifters. Our show provides film and TV reviews from two guys that make, watch, and love movies. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is, of course, Will. Hey. And joining us once again is our resident crime junkie, our dear friend Kat Loznikova. Welcome back. Thanks for having me again. I'm Woo! so stoked to be here. And um, I think I'm, we're just going to have to officially make this a monthly appearance. I know, right? And we're not talking about like crazy, depressing things. Well, actually, kind of. Uh, are you kidding? <laughs> I take that back. The subject matter is very depressing. <laughs> it is actually, isn't it? Yes. Uh, rape and assassinations. That's what we're talking about today. Yeah, we should definitely Great. give a trigger warning for yes. sexual assault and, and spoilers. Yeah. Freaking yeah. Kat yeah. and her suggestions. <laughs> but in better news, Kat, you are alive. You just went skydiving and you made it back to us. Yeah. Um, it's funny because being, you know, the adrenaline death junkie that I am, I recently started seeing someone who's just as death adrenaline junkie as I am and mm. he has his um what do you call it a license and he thought it would be a great idea to take me skydiving for Valentine's Day uh -huh. and I couldn't say no but you know what it's the whole experience was probably one of the most calming ones I've ever had falling from 12,500 feet. Whoa. I truly felt nothing in the best sense of it. It's like everything stopped and that whole free fall was probably the one of the best things I've experienced. The entire time, I didn't freak out. I was calm as a cucumber. Like, And the entire time I'm thinking, like, am I a sociopath? Like, why isn't this scaring me? <laughs> Most like, definitely I'm you are. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Myron. I didn't but say it. But the weirdest part was the only time I think I got nervous was when they were checking my date's rig. And I, that was the only time I was like, wow, this is real. This is really, really real. And we're about to do something that is like death defying. And there's nothing like defying death on, on a date. And watching him jump before me was also a really crazy experience because you're in the air and then you're watching this person <laughs> just exit out of a plane, which is yeah. like the most unnatural thing to see. We survived. Enough about skydiving. Uh, I think it's on to uh, some movie talk. So first things first, uh, let's get started with a rundown on the latest in entertainment news. I'm in the dark. I don't know if comic book movies are, are quite up your alley, Cat, but uh, hey, I said Alley Cat. Hey. Alley Cat, that's words. me. Yeah, cool. But anyway, uh, the uh, new Snyder Cut trailer just hit the interweb uh, a couple of days ago. I saw it. I can't comment. I didn't see the original. <laughs> um, I know my friend worked on it. That's really all I can say. And um, 
Um, that's really it, except it was interesting to see Jared Leto again as Joker. Yeah, I think Snyder deserves his uh, viewing of or his cut of the film because obviously originally it was supposed to be his. Uh, hopefully the reach like the the cgi mouth of uh superman is not there it looks actually pretty cool um i do believe i think is gonna be it's gonna be a better than uh josh wheaton's take on it um but the question i have for you myron because i was watching is is there a reason why it's four by three? I can't remember. Oh yeah, no, it's not even four by three. It's actually square or close to like a one to one ratio, which is so it's Instagram shocking. basically. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I I don't think there's anything artsy or like cool about it. I just thought or it purpose. Felt, yeah, really. I feel like this is Warner's apology to, to to Zack Schneider because I think they're finally figuring out that it's really about respecting the director and, and their plans for a movie. That's what Marvel has done all along. Uh, they've completely respected uh, all of the director's takes, at least to my knowledge. Um, and here you see a lot of meddling, right? And that's kind of why the Justice League uh, was taken from Zack Schneider and it got rewritten and uh, a new director came in. Well, there are other reasons why the new director had come in. But uh, it seems as though with like, you know, the Patty Jenkins take on uh, Wonder Woman that they're finally being like, oh, hey, uh, maybe we should have just respected what he had to begin with. Mm. So uh, mm-hmm. at, at least it, to me, it seems like they're figuring that part out. So that's good now. Do I want to watch this beyond just pure curiosity? I don't know. I'll, I mean, it's three and a half hours long, and uh, it's like, well, it's three, really, it's three parts, right? I think, isn't I, it? I, I think so. I, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> and plus, we're paying for HBO Max, so the yeah. fact that it's going to be on HBO Max, it's I don't think it's going to hurt. Yeah. I, yeah. Would I pay? Okay. The question would be for me, for you, then is would you pay to watch it in theater? That's the real question. Mm, probably not. Not unless yeah. we were reviewing it. Yeah. But here's the thing that the question that I want to pose is, uh, you know, both Marvel and DC, they're introducing this whole idea of the multiverse, which is why we're apparently going to get three Spider-Mans in one Spider-Man movie. And which is why, um, you know, the Flash, whom we met in uh, the Justice League, is going to go into an alternate reality where he's going to team up with, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman. So apparently they're leaving room for the interpretation that multiple Batman or Batmans, however you want to say it, can exist along with multiple Jokers. So uh, apparently Ben Affleck has a deal in place to continue to play Batman in HBO Max productions. This is all just very weird and confusing, but at the same time, I'm very interested. Uh, Can't wait to see what they do with it. The only thing I've heard is that Joaquin Phoenix's Joker won't be meeting any of the other Jokers, which Mm. I think is great in its own because his Joker, I think, was the best in a standalone, and it should be that way. It would break my heart if they brought him into this universe. All right. Now, let's talk about some of the new titles coming to streaming or that have recently come to streaming. We'd love to get your guys' takes on this. First is Malcolm and Marie, starring Zendaya and John David Washington. It's about a director and his girlfriend. Their relationship is tested after they return home from one of his movie premieres and await critics' responses. 
Very interesting movie here. It was fully shot during COVID. The crew, the cast, they were getting test, they were getting tested, and uh, they had a fully safe crew, a minimal crew where uh, everyone kind of worked and uh, was very comfortable around each other. Didn't wear masks or anything like that, at least to my knowledge. I haven't seen it yet. It's definitely on my list, but um, it just seems like Zendaya is the leading actress yeah. of COVID projects because <laughs> of Dune and yeah. what she's doing with the extra episodes of Euphoria, Euphoria and out of this yeah. so she's she's definitely killing it in the covid game yeah for sure killing the covid game <laughs> i like that what you're saying myron though uh that they had a small team a yeah. small crew yeah to do this film yeah so it really feels like that that these films hopefully are more story driven to where like yeah. is it i don't know it maybe it, it just sparked my curiosity of thinking a smaller crew and, and they still are able to successfully finish and put a great film together yeah. like that's interesting to me. Yeah. That's very interesting on that kind of production now. Yeah. Well, it's a two-person cast all in a contained environment. whole thing takes place at a house. So, mm. you know, I would love to see. I'm just curious how big the crew was. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's something we can probably find out in some more inter internet research. Um, also, what just came out to All the Boys Part 3. Oh, oh, always and forever. Will's favorite movie me. series of all time. No, I'm done. <laughs> I got to go, guys. I didn't even know there was a part one or two. Yeah. It's past yeah. my bedtime. I remember on Friday, uh, I was supposed to watch Judas and the Black Messiah, and we were getting ready. We ended up not watching anything because we were too tired and we fell asleep. But she was like, oh, it's all the boys is out. And I was like, okay, oh, I guess we're watching that gosh. instead of <laughs> instead of this uh, you know, biopic about a, a, a slain political leader. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we saw neither. But anyway, we'll probably get around to that, event to that eventually. Also, The Dig is out starring Carrie Mulligan. Uh, an archaeologist embarks on the historically important excavation of Sutton Hoo. Sutton I Hoo? literally watched that. <laughs> in 1938. I, yeah. I need to rewatch it. I actually watched it, but I fell asleep. Yeah? <laughs> so I didn't watch it again, yeah. So it wasn't that good, huh? It, was a little it, wasn't, it wasn't that good. It was late, but I saw it, and I thought, um, oh, uh, who is it? Uh, Ray Fiennes mm -hmm. and uh, Carrie, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, oh, this is this seems interesting, and... The whole like excavation and and the whole story behind it, uh, it's it's a tad slow, but it is beautifully shot, yeah. beautifully shot, and uh, the performances are, are are amazing for sure. Um, I love some of the choices they made too in terms of the maison scene of how the cinematographer uh, like framed. Uh, the shots of uh -huh. like tr of basically traveling, like when you see Ray Fine's uh, character going from one place to another. Hmm. So hmm. okay, yeah. cool. Well, we'll yeah. I'll definitely be checking that out. And this one I'm really excited for, guys. Nomadland coming to Hulu on Friday. I've been waiting for this. Literally yeah. counting down days. Thought it was going to be out sooner. They kept pushing the date back. Cannot wait. I will not shut up about wanting to see this movie. The trailer just gives me chills every yeah. time I watch it. I think... Um, I think it's going to be one of those yeah. very emotional watches. Uh -huh. um, and I, I've, I've honestly just been waiting for it. And I think yeah. that lifestyle is so interesting of just not yeah. having a place to live and just bouncing around. But I think that's her circumstances, like result of her circumstances that she has to do that. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Chloe Zhao, the uh, director, has done a lot of indie films uh, that deal with a very similar type of, of lifestyle as the one seen in Nomadland. Interestingly, interestingly enough, her next movie is The Eternals 
for uh, the MCU. Oh. <laughs> Very interesting, right? Looking forward to seeing that one and look at future episodes. Speaking of Nomadland, we will be reviewing that film next week along with another film, The News of the World, starring Tom Hanks, directed by Paul Greengrass. And in honor of that film, we will be ranking our top five Paul Greengrass movies of all time. So that one should be really, really fun. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of content, drop us a line at the podfellaspodcast at gmail.com. And please tell your friends about us. Our podcast can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course, Spotify. Spread and the love, people. Spread the love. And now, here's a trailer for our first review, Promising Young, young Woman. Promising Young Woman. Whisper something in Good God almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. It was a perverted thing to say. You'd think you'd learn by that age, right? I need to lay down. What are you doing? It's okay, you're safe. What are you doing? Hey, I said, what are you doing? Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. All right, that was a look at the trailer for a Promising Young Woman, starring, starring Carrie Mulligan. It's about oh, a young woman. Starring. Starring. <laughs> starring. It's about a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past, and she seeks out revenge against those who crossed her path. I want to hand the baton over to you, Kat. You have the conch. What are your thoughts about this movie? Uh, My thoughts are a little mixed, I'll be honest. I loved the look and feel of the movie. Um, It definitely is this dark, gritty, very disturbing story covered in this pink bubblegum technicolor, which overall shows the state of our main character who is breaking on the inside but is presenting herself in this armor of floral and pinks on the outside. Um, And the whole theme of the movie as well, it's like this rotten system that they're in, but on the surface it just all looks very pretty. So... For for me watching it, I guess I was almost on a on a roller coaster ride with it because at points I wasn't sure what I was seeing, but then it all kind of made sense. Um, and I think the soundtrack yeah. is phenomenal. It's a big part of storytelling. I mean, by the time we see the title credit on, on the screen, we're on to our third song, yeah. and it's only been like a couple of minutes. Agree or disagree? It was great to hear a Paris Hilton song again. Oh <laughs> agree my or disagree? <laughs> I agree that we forgot what a That's banger a good song. that was. And I think yeah. it was <laughs> underrated for the time. It fits this story perfectly. But a yeah. bigger banger in this film is, of course, the toxic. string cover of yeah. Toxic. That, that, I mean, I did not nothing... know if anyone was going to notice that because I was like, oh my gosh, this is. It was so awesome. This was great. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of like reminded me of uh, us. Uh, yeah. Remember, um, five on it, the strings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Five on it with the strings. So good. I love that. I, I agree with Kat. Like, it was a mixed review for me. 
it was a bit extreme for me. I mean, extreme in the sense that it was a bit uh, irrational, I guess. More so, like in the if I were to if think about this in the real world, I'm thinking, yeah, it, 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 this is this is this is just kind of way too on the other end of the spectrum of someone. I'm like, I, I guess for me, looking at her and thinking, like, wow, she's either just super super obsessed with. I, I get it, like, with the whole situation with your friend, but, like, just super, super obsessed with the way her mentality is among a society that uh, our system, as Kat was saying earlier, too, that's broken, right? The, t- the typical uh, issues that we all go through uh, in, in college. But, like, taking it to another level, right off the bat, sociopathic for me <laughs> was, was Carrie Mulligan's character for me. I'm just like, you're... you're way over on over your head i don't know it was it was super weird um yeah like for me uh i have to say that's one of the things i didn't like about the movie is that the mm-hmm. premise itself was flawed it's a cool yeah. idea i mean this idea that a woman that's had a, a trauma um in her past she now takes it upon herself to go out and kind of i guess obsessively teach, yeah, yeah obsessively teach men a lesson and each man that she uh, is able to come across and uh you know confront she has she basically leaves a mark in her journal it's a cool idea but when you start to flesh this out and see it become like an actual character motivation it starts to wear a little thin i guess you could say because uh it's hard to envision a flesh and bone person doing the things that she does. It's almost like she's a female Batman. That's the closest thing I could think of. You know, he goes out into the night to right wrongs because of a twisted sense of justice. That's basically what she's doing. But here's the thing, though, is Batman is prepared uh, physically to go out there and to take on that challenge. She is, from what, at least what I can see, not able to defend herself. So she's constantly putting herself in harm's way um just in the hopes i guess that nothing will happen to her which to me seemed very hard to swallow so i wanted to say that like when i saw that carrie mulligan was playing this character i was a little shocked with the casting choice because last film i saw her in was the great gatsby and she was i thought she didn't contribute anything in this film though her performance is extremely powerful as someone who is very emotionally disturbed and frightening but still funny and charming because she is able to successfully follow out with her plan what i thought didn't track for me i mean in the movie it is made obvious just how tiny she is you know even when they go out on a date and they made make that joke that um he thinks He's worried that when if he kisses her, yeah. someone's going to think that she's his daughter because yeah. she's so small. And yes, we only see her encounters where the guys don't get violent with her. But in her book, we see um, those like mm-hmm. hash marks, mm-hmm. like those marks um, in different colors. And we never see the red ones. You know, so like, did she get hurt during those or not? There are three colors of pen that she uses in her journal to make those tally marks. So we, um, and the ones we see, I think are only black, but in the journal, there's blues and reds as well. And we can only assume that the red ones are the ones that went bad. But if she's living with her parents, how are they not 
right. noticing that. And this town is so small and people are starting to recognize her and talk about her. And yet no one's picking up on her getting yeah, yeah, hurt. That's, a really good that's point. the lack of detail. I also feel like it was it was missing. I will say, though, you speaking about, you know, the guy that she was seeing. I was very surprised and impressed by Bo Burnham's uh performance because yeah. bo burnham is a comedian stand-up comedian straight up he's brilliant at what he does when he's on stage i have this i don't think i've ever seen him in film so when i saw him in this i was like what the flip and then but he convinced me i was like wow you can play a dramatic character actually he was charming in this but i, I almost wish they found someone that uh maybe lifted a weight here and there because mm-hmm. dude dude must looks like he's 120 pounds soaking wet but uh <laughs> he, he was really charming though in this movie yeah he was, yeah. I yeah. love their couple dynamic. Like, I thought their dynamic as a couple, all things aside, was great. And I was, like, rooting for them. Yeah. Like, I wanted this to work out yeah. for her. Yeah. Me too. And, like... Yep, yep. You got to watch it, people. Yeah. You just got to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I here's the thing about this film is uh, this movie really dramatically shifts tones. Um, it doesn't just, like, dip its toe in the water of... Uh, you know, of a rom-com, rom-com flick. And, you know, it doesn't dip its toe into the water of, you know, like slasher fix. It actually just it's kind of jumps, jumps yeah. into the water, like, you know, without even thinking about it. And uh, it goes back and forth. But strangely enough, it didn't take me out of the movie. And Kat, you called it like, like, like that bubblegum aesthetic. And it was just really interesting pairing like a really dark subject matter with that. And I almost, I can't help but think that they meant this movie to be like a fa- like a dark Grimm's fairy tale or something with the colorful poppy backgrounds and uh, you know pairing that with the dark subject matter and then also going into like full on cheesy rom com montage sequences right um, I, it, it all felt very intentional the dramatic shifts I mean literally I was thinking when I was saw the house and saw the coffee shop where where she worked felt very legally blonde esque and. Uh, you know, like, lo and behold, Jennifer Coolidge from Legally Blonde literally plays Carrie Mulligan's mother. So it was just very interesting, intentional, and I really did love the choice, I think. I think it was also interesting that her parents never leave the yeah. dining room table. <laughs> Every time we see them, they're at a, at a kitchen table yeah. or a dining room table. Those are her only interactions with them. But I think, honestly, that's the whole mm point of this film is that on the surface everything's super like pretty and candy and happy and flowers but underneath there's so many different currents and um we see that all the way throughout Mm -hmm. the movie yeah it was kind of honestly in a sense comic booky to me you know, yeah. the, with the the vibrance of it, but the darkness behind it. Yeah. Uh, similar to Harley Quinn, basically, in my mind. Mm. Interesting that you bring that up. Margot Robbie, yeah. it, her production company worked on it. And there were a lot of questions. Why wasn't Margot Robbie cast as the lead in this film? And I think that would have really yeah. taken a, taken away from this, um, from the way uh, Carrie Mulligan uh, plays this very disturbed girl i also thought and correct me if i'm wrong i thought she was looking a lot like uh kaylee cuoco so it was kind of hard <laughs> for me to just be like who am i who's this who am i seeing on the screen but yeah it, it, you, you right off the bat i'd be like okay harley quinn is this is her past that we're looking at right now yeah i, I think i would have correlated with that i think it's safe to say though she's she was just amazing phenomenal in this movie phenomenal yeah. yes yeah they cast the right right person i don't know if you heard this but uh i think it was variety in the review of the film kind of called her out 
they actually said uh, they should have cast someone uh, prettier than than her. Whoa! Yeah. And then uh, yeah, no. she, she uh, defended it, not herself, but defended her portrayal of the character in the movie. And then Variety had to ultimately issue an apology. It was it was quite a bit messy. Wow. But yeah, I can't imagine anyone else playing her to be honest. Her performance was phenomenal as this like yeah. chameleon, you know, who like hides in plain sight, and her like these sweet. Hmm. flowery dresses and fuzzy sweaters and uh she doesn't she just wants to blend in and then um she is able to transform into this kind of like femme this girl who can attract any guy to really take her home in the drunken state and i think the way she you can see it through the use of costumes because in the begin in the first scene where she's in this like business guy mm-hmm. bar, she's yeah. in a business suit. Then she goes to that like Euro trash bar and she looks like a I labor. don't know like a, a sequin dress and like I don't know extensions. So she knows her audience and she is able to play up um, her character in order to hide yeah. in plain sight. And I think Carrie Mulligan makes an amazing, amazing uh, job playing yeah. this character. I just found it really fascinating just how many comedians were in this film. Yeah, Because you got Bo Burnham, and then you have, um, who was the mother from... Uh, Molly Shannon? Over, yeah. Oh, Jennifer Coolidge. No, 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 Molly Shannon was also from SNL. And yeah. then who, uh, Jennifer Coolidge is in this. Alison um, Brie. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like... This is a full-on, like, comedic cast playing these serious roles. It was yeah. very weird. So that's one of the problems I had with this movie is, uh, I mean, there were a few, to me, odd scenes. And uh, I love the cameos. I'm a huge Connie Britton fan. I'm a huge Friday Night Lights fan. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I love her so much. Alison Brie, love it. Wait, did you catch the director, um, Emerald Fennel? making a cameo herself in that YouTube video on how to have like the perfect yeah. uh yeah, yeah. lips. Yeah, that was it was yeah, I was like that was that's cool too. Cameos yeah. all around. But so I had a issue with the Molly Shannon scene. Molly Shannon uh plays someone connected to um our main character's past trauma. And mm-hmm. so uh you know uh our main character Cassandra goes to visit her and uh it seems as though they just have a conversation so that we as the viewers can get the backstory exposition that we need and then the scene ends really abruptly and then Molly Shannon just disappears i mean she does say the words uh you need to move on mm-hmm. right and then that's when you know it's like hopefully will she will she not move on so it does do that but that scene to me felt very uh, forced. I would like to speak mm-hmm. to that because I thought it was actually pretty good because every single um, interactions that mm-hmm. our lead Cassie has with every character that she comes in yeah. contact with makes her go through a transformation. So uh, when she see, meets Ryan, mm-hmm. um, that makes her feel love. When she encounters yeah. that lawyer um, whose house she goes to, she yeah. learns about forgiveness because she doesn't do anything to him. She forgives him. When she um, uh, encounters Madison, she's able to find out the truth because in the end, Madison is the one who shows her the video. So the encounter with Molly Shannon 
mm. makes her have a change of heart yeah. and want to move on. And we're right there at the pinnacle in the in the middle of the film where we're like, okay, we see this path. Which for I think her. goes to your She's point, Myron, of the harshness then... of just the jump from that where it was like you, you you we see this flush we see this like path that she's taking where it seems very dramatic to then all of a sudden this jump to like oh life isn't so bad i can move on and then all of a sudden you just get this whole scene of just lovey-dovey kind of thing yeah and then we know where it goes from there <laughs> so mclovin let's talk about mclovin oh my gosh i forgot <laughs> about mclovin oh my gosh that's right <laughs> I don't know how I felt Simple about that scene, but cast. yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was just so odd seeing him, but it was good to see him again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but I will say that the Connie Britton scene was pretty badass. She plays the dean of, of the med school where yeah, uh, Cassandra right. attended, and uh, she gets her uh, revenge by playing a little uh, mind game on her. Uh, that was really, really, really good scene. Yeah, it was a yeah. pretty good effed up scene for sure. Let's talk about the ending without getting into spoiler territory. I want to save this ending for our listeners to watch it for themselves. I could have predicted this ending the way they went. Um, hmm. However, I personally wanted something different. Um, those last 10 minutes don't feel like the rest of the movie. And all of a sudden they flip the script and give this yeah. like cathartic mm. Hollywood resolution. So for me, I wanted to see something different, but I accept it for what it is. Um, I definitely think it's the director's great job. Of, <laughs> That's of the thing, though, is that uh, this movie. movie really doesn't cut away from our main character the entire time. It's very much we are in her head the yeah. entire way. And uh, without spoiling anything, yeah, there's a very dramatic shift in perspectives all the way at the end of the movie. That's yeah. going to be jarring no matter what. And it, it's, uh, it's jarring here. Uh, whether you're willing to, you know, whether the, the payoff is enough for you is, you know, something that I guess you're going to have to experience for yourself. But uh, I, I personally love the ending. Um, it's, it was badass, but at the same time, you know, I mean, I, I wanted everyone to be happier maybe i i should just say it that way <laughs> yeah for me what happens after that yeah, wtf yeah. moment is where the ship started to sink it just did not add up in the way that i think they could have uh -huh. gone because there's so much commentary on how the system is broken and would get this like ha happy resolution that you know karma it's yeah i uh mm. Makes it sense. Just, for me, it. it didn't add up. Even the colors shifted. Like, everything shifted. Like, camera work shifted. The colors shifted. The scenes we were watching shifted. Like you said, it felt a little bit like like a rom-com almost. But, you know, um, kind of going along with what you just said, Kat, I, that's one of the issues I, I had with the movie. Um, it was a great first-time turn from uh, Emerald Fennel. It was a great film overall, but one of the weak points was definitely the technical aspect of it. It was a flawed movie, I think. I know I'm being really nitpicky, but the framing of the shots was a little off for me. Uh, it was a little crooked. You know, it was tilted down or tilted up when it didn't need to be. The lens choices, it looked like they were using a lot of wide-angle lenses close up, so you see a lot of warping on the edges, which kind of mm -hmm. really bothered me. Um, now, from a storytelling aspect, it doesn't matter. But you know, uh, I'm just being nitpicky. It 
didn't take away it didn't like lower the score for me but it did bother me a little bit you know mm. all right so let's take it to the scorecards then uh what are your reviews of the film starting with you cat um, I initially said three and a half. I think I'm going to knock it down, um, half a star and just give it a three, mm. um, after talking to you guys. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a solid three. Uh, that's really it. I think the subject matter is so dark. It's hard to watch it under this lens of almost comedic and this comedic lens that in the end has the ending that it does. I, I give it a th I still keep mine. I, I keep it at three and a half. I think that the concept uh, was strong. I think that like for where it was going uh, had momentum, obviously, which just threw me off where just the choice of the cast, in, uh, the ensemble of the different cameos that, that were like kind of jarring. But then again, the the twist or, or uh, just the way it went towards the end really just got my heart like what the heck it, it jumped and uh really hit it uh for me mm. right there and and there's also it really hit me emotionally of the relationship between cassandra and ryan i you know i, I was like yeah okay i feel pretty good and all of a sudden i'm like oh what what and mm. it, so it really did navigate my emotions in that sense yeah. so yeah. yeah three and a half I give it three and a half as well. I actually had it at a four. I'm kind of in between the two, those two scores. If I, if I had, if I could give it something higher than a three and a half, but not a four, I would. But uh, yeah, overall, great performances, great concept. Uh, I'm not going to knock it for having a uh, an idea uh, for a film that is kind of slightly unconvincing. I mean, that would wouldn't be fair when we watch comic book movies all the time, right? Uh, where these people are motivated and they do some crazy stuff for the sake of their their drive. I mean, Carrie Mulligan is very similar to that in terms of why she does what she does. So wouldn't knock it for that. But like I said, there are just a few scenes that, that to me kind of took me out of it a little bit. But uh, overall, I think it was a really strong directorial debut. And uh, as far as uh, the awards is nominated for, I definitely think Carrie Mulligan is, is very much deserving as she was really, really good in this. Mm -hmm. so, so that is our review of Promising Young Woman. It can be seen now on uh, all the major streaming platforms, including uh, Apple TV, Vudu, um, Amazon. Go ahead and check it out. It is $19.99, though, so uh, just keep that in mind. We're, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we will be back. What are they? We're standing in someone's graveyard, I reckon. Viking? Oh, maybe older. Mr. Brown is an archaeologist. Well, I'm an excavator. You've come to dig up the mounds. So you think there's something beneath? Who are those men? They're from the museum. Ye gods! Mrs. Pretty, I think you'd better come and see. Why would anyone want to bury a ship? I'd expect this is a grave of a, a warrior. Or a king. But there's more. There's much more. War's looming. More all hands are on deck to excavate before hostilities begin. The Dark Ages are no longer dark. Everyone's going to want a piece, and this is your find. Why else would you be playing around in the dirt while the rest of the country prepares for war? I heard that speech. I knew we'd make noise. I just thought it'd be in the streets. 
The Black Panthers are the single greatest threat to our national security. Our counterintelligence program must prevent the rise of a black messiah. You're looking at 18 months for the stolen car, five years for impersonating a federal officer, or you can go home. What do you want? Get close to Hampton. The Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Neutralize him by any means necessary. All right, well, you just listened to were the trailers for The Dig as well as Judas and the Black Messiah, which we are reviewing now. So uh, this movie just hit HBO Max on February 12th, which was this past Friday. We all just checked it out over the weekend. So uh, starting with you, Will, wanted to hear what you thought about this movie. Solid, solid cast. I really enjoyed uh, all the characters and the performances. This is based on true events and, and true story. Uh, I actually did a lot. You know, when you watch one of those kinds of true events movies, you kind of want to go on Wikipedia yeah. and yeah. research more at the end. In terms of uh, Daniel Kulua, who played Fred Hampton, and and man, his his scene where he's up on stage. Yeah, after he just got out of prison. Out of prison, and he's just yelling, "I am a revolutionary!" Like, it, it felt so convincing. His power. He had. He was. He had so much. He had. It was, he was a powerhouse in that. In that. In that scene. I think it was one of my favorite scenes. Um, this whole setup, though, too, of why they call it, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah, you can totally see the layout of from a biblical, biblical standpoint. He's so Judas. Like, there's never been, like, a more Judas-y Judas in movies before. Lakeith Stanfield? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, Lakeith played uh, Wild Bill, uh, <laughs> William O'Neill, but they call him the Wild Bill because he was, uh, he had, a, you know, a, cr- a criminal background of, of stealing cars, uh, kidnapping, uh, robbery and like like Judas I would assume uh, in the sense of you know his his just his demeanor he didn't care about the Black Panthers he didn't care about any of that he just wanted to try to live his life but obviously he got into a pickle where obviously where the FBI agent uh, got him in a situation where he you can totally see him as being a Pharisee and so much so that it it's like this veil this 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 fake veil over how this detective's trying to say compare the black panthers with the ku klux klan and there's no difference and like we're here to you know we're just trying to keep everyone safe but it's so manipulating it was so so hard to watch at times because obviously there's a very much of a staple of like really categorizing uh each of of like these characters in their um uh, in their respective positions of what it looks like, what we know from a biblical standpoint, and and man, it was it was it was really good, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, this movie to me is just a basic point A to point B biopic, and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. I mean, for anyone that knows anything about the history of these characters, we know what happens to Fred Hampton uh, in real life, and we know that's going to be how this movie ends, and we know we're heading towards that, and so. Uh, there, this is a no frills, no surprises, A to B story, um, you know, and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And so, you know, obviously, with a movie like this, you need some really great performances. And everyone is really good, yeah. Especially uh, Lakeith Stanfield as uh, William O'Neill, Daniel Kaluuya as the uh, title character, um, 
Fred Hampton, and also his wife, played by Dominique Fishback, whom we last saw in Project Power. It was definitely interesting seeing her in a different role. They were all really, really good. Um, you know, and what I loved about this movie is you got to see the Fred Hampton on the stage. Uh, pumping up his uh, followers, but also you got to see Fred Hampton in the home with his uh, pregnant wife, or maybe it was just his girlfriend. Um, but yeah, yeah, just seeing him question certain things and seeing his wife deal with, uh, you know, what it could be like to raise a son, you know, on her own. So uh, you got to see all of that, and uh, it was really great. And of course, Jesse Plemons, he's amazing in everything that he's yeah. in. Yeah. He has uh, somehow become one of the like hardest working character actors in the business, and I never would have thought that he would be uh, the most respected, or maybe the most respected cast member from Friday Night Lights, one of my favorite TV shows. So uh, seeing him, you know, work with like Scorsese, and and in this case, uh, you know, work alongside Kaluuya and Stanfield was really really amazing. Um, also and he plays the FBI agent Roy Mitchell, yeah. just so they, yeah. Yeah, he plays the one pulling the strings with uh, the manipulation. William yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the production design, costumes, cinematography were all Beautiful. really top notch. I really enjoyed the moody, contrasty uh, look of the film. So, being the documentary fanatic that I am, I would have preferred to see a documentary rather than something that is inspired mm-hmm. or based on what happened mm-hmm. just because of that Hollywood appeal. Um, but also I, in, in a weird way, enjoyed seeing the toll that it took on O'Neill in the end of the yeah, movie yeah. because yeah. we know what happens. And of course there is this um, almost... Like a relief knowing that betrayal comes with a price and karma Mm. is karma, I guess. Um, For me, the most powerful part of the film was at the very beginning when we hear a quote uh, and the quote goes, those are not rise, those are rebellions. People are rebelling because of conditions and not individuals. And that couldn't be more scarily relevant for today. I mean, pick any month of 2020. And you would think that we would learn things from history or the past and adjust. But any of that could have happened today, although all of this was going on in late 60s and 70s. So it's definitely thought-provoking. And seeing injustice in the name of justice Mm. was horrifying. Um, But... My biggest drawback on this film is the pace, and it did feel Mm -hmm. a little slow for me. And completely honest, I may have fallen asleep a couple (laughs) of times and had to rewind and go back. So that heavily affected my scoring, Uh, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I learned a few new things about the Black Panther Party. People thought they were just like a, like a militant, a angry group of people that just hated cops. But in reality, they were just fighting for equal rights among all the people. Um, they were, if anything, socialists, right? And they, yes, they just wanted socialists. equality across you know, all ethnicities and, and groups. And uh, one of the most eye-opening scenes for me was uh, there was a, a gathering, uh, like an activist meeting of low-income Caucasians. And uh, guess who crashes the party? Uh, Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers. And rather than uh, starting like a fight or a battle there, instead, he was there to unite them under the common cause of we're all here just fighting for equal rights, right? Uh, And that's one thing that we never really saw about the Black Panthers is this uh, desire to bring people together 
and to help uh, people. You know, they're oftentimes giving free food, um, free breakfast, free medical, out, yeah, and medical care. And that mm-hmm. medical, that hospital, actually, or that clinic that that he was trying to set up at the end of the movie, it's there right now. It's yep. still in existence, which is really great. So run uh, by his son, I yeah, believe. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, very eye opening. Also, I thought it was interesting that Hampton himself was singled out as like the single man leading this revolution, but he himself didn't want to do that. You know, they just um, they just wanted someone to pin this violence on, and they said this is worse than any other you know war we're fighting. But all he was doing is advocating for a shift in the mindset yeah. and bringing blacks and browns and um, I don't know white lower class um, people like, together because they were viewed as lesser than by was it FBI? Yeah, that's, that's what frustrated yeah. me so much was uh, I think I believe it was Martin Sheen who played J. Edgar Hoover yeah. in the film. I mean the persona that he put on as J. Edgar Hoover it completely just made me look at Jago Hoover as a racist, a just a scumbag, you know, like I get he, he had a vision of of obviously good intention. But then again, his heart, I felt like was just not in the right place. And it was so hard to watch, you know, those scenes with Jago Hoover speaking with his agents about what needs to be because remember how uh, there's a scene where they said, yeah. Uh, hey, He's we got, we got Hampton. Oh. We we got we got Hampton back in jail. That's what we wanted, right? And he says, and he and he and and J. Edgar Hoover basically quotes two guys, two black males who were in jail and became famous. One became a successful author, another one became a successful um, like poet or something like that. It's like, you know, prison's temporary. You know, we need to fix this permanently. And I yeah. thought, oh my gosh, yeah. you cannot be any more scum. Yeah. So. It was yeah, definitely a great contrast. It's definitely a great contrast because we're seeing this hate and racism in the political system. Yeah, is insane. And then we're seeing it in contrast to Hampton trying to bring people together of these groups that weren't getting along, and then pouring love into his community. Let's go to the jury and offer our final reviews of the film Judas and the Black Messiah. I'll go first, and then I'll hand it off to you two. I give this a four out of five stars. Uh, well-executed production with amazing performances. The movie is really built on those performances. It, su- it succeeds because of those performances. So a really amazing watch for me, and uh, I highly recommend it. And over to you, Will. I actually had it at three and a half because I do remember why I knocked it down half a star. It, it was... Due to the ending where, I don't know, there comes a moment where if I have to read that much to kind of cover the rest of the ground of what goes on, it's like, let me just look it up myself. I'm just going to, you know. So you knocked it down a half star because you don't like to read. No, it's, well, (laughs) yeah. Okay, fine. No, because it was a a lot. It was a lot of information that they're fleshing out, which I thought was okay. That's cool. And I thought, well, how much longer would it have been... If they would have like at least put some visuals to it, like some, you know, like of 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 his death and the funeral or in all the other things. I mean, we got a snippet, obviously, of the actual interview of Will O'Neill. But yeah, other than that, though, yeah, I, I do. I do give it a four stars looking at it because there's, it, it was a phenomenal film uh, as as a biopic slash, um, you know, uh, yeah. inspired by real events. So, yeah. Four stars. How about you, Kat? 
Again, the cheese stands alone. I'm giving this. Um, well, I actually brought it up half a star. I was going to give a 2.5 because it did put me to sleep and it wasn't a documentary. And I think on the subject like this, um, that unfortunately I wasn't familiar with, I would have rather have been uh, preferred to be introduced to it through a documentary. And again, I did go in and read some facts and try to compare what was um, adjusted for the film. And for that and the snooze factor that it gave me, I'm giving it three right now instead of two and a half because, yes, the cast was phenomenal. The acting was phenomenal. Uh, messaging is great. So three three stars right. for me. Cool. Yeah. Do you guys remember? Daniel really did his homework. Daniel yeah. Kaluuya, uh, Kaluuya, yeah. Yeah, Kaluuya. That with Fred Hampton. Because after when you see actual Fred Hampton doing his speech, a lot of the nuances, a lot of the personality traits really took it up. And yeah, all that yeah. voice. Yeah, did a great job. Do you guys remember the last movie that these two actors were in together? Lakeith and uh, Daniel? Uh, Get yeah. Out? No. They had that scene. <gasps> Winner. They had that scene when uh, Lakeith Can I come back? Has, has that one tear and he says, Get Out. Get Out. Remember that scene, Will? I, you, you know, know I, I'm, I'm probably going to be really scolded for this. I have not seen Get Out oh, yet. Oh, Lord. Wow. Uh, okay. I, I laugh with nervousness. Yeah. <laughs> right. I should, well, I Myron, you know who yeah. you're kicking off yeah. this podcast, yes. Island. I'll, I'll I'm sorry. Well, this will be your last episode. We lost our last two out. viewers, Will. That's it. Okay. We had two left, and now they're gone. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm getting out, people. I'm getting out. I'm getting out. Is that because we were talking about get out? Uh, no. I thought you were telling me to get out. Oh. That too, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, that was our show for the day. <laughs> we'll be back next week with our reviews of the films Nomadland and News of the World, and we will also be discussing our top five Paul Greengrass movies of all time. Kat, thank you so much for coming back. Woo! It was a blast as usual. Always a pleasure. I did not get a soundtrack this time, Will, so if you want to give me a jingle yeah. real quick, I'll you remember? say thanks. Oh, man. Cat. Uh... <laughs> Until next time, we just want to remind you it's not so much the destination, but the things you watch and experience along the way. Stay safe. Don't get COVID. Stay safe. Test negative. Be positive. Ah, like my blood. Be positive. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah.